Amen. Um, are we going to act like Tom, uh, Evan didn't lead in worship today? Right? I mean, if you came late, and this is one reason why I'm like, come on time, you would see how talented he is. And so thank you, Evan, for leading. And not just Evan, but then our entire worship team. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, today we're in the book of Nehemiah, and um, this book has been personally encouraging for me. The past year, uh, joining this staff, staff and leadership team here at Blueprint, because this book carries a powerful message about unity, determination, and restoration. Um, and throughout this year, reading and spending time reading this book, it's just been a very encouraging book for, for me. Uh, when we read this book, we read about how a community of people came together around a single goal, and that goal was to restore God's people. And it was a restoration that they needed physically. Their city, Jerusalem, was destroyed in a war, and the walls and the gates that protected the city had been burned down, and so they were left vulnerable and defenseless to, to any future attacks. And not just this physical restoration that these people needed, but the people needed a spiritual revival, a spiritual restoration, because they felt like God had abandoned them, that their enemies defeated them. Everything that they had was taken away from them. And even their families and friends were captured and taken away as slaves. And not only that, but you had surrounding nations mocking them and laughing at them, asking, where is your God? Right? You're supposed to be the children of the most powerful God, but where is he? You claimed this is the God who is faithful, but why did he allow you to face these situations and allow you to be in these conditions? And so there was fear and anxiety among the people that caused them to lose hope and become discouraged, lose faith, grow spiritually tired and apathetic. And so they lost their sense of worth. And so these people needed this revival physically, but also spiritually, because they needed to be reminded of their identity and restored in their sense of purpose. And that's probably where you are right now. And that's probably where many of us are right now. So many of us have faced challenges like this in our lives, physically or emotionally, that has left us in survivor mode. Many of you right now are in survivor mode every single day. You're trying to make it to the next day. That's left you vulnerable and defenseless, and you can't take on another attack or another bad news. Many of us are in this state, and because of that, we're left questioning, God, where are you? God, are you faithful? Have you abandoned us? Why have you not stepped in and left us here in this condition? And so maybe today you are losing hope, and maybe today you're discouraged, and maybe today you are spiritually tired and apathetic and you're losing passion for God. 
Or maybe today you're forgetting your identity and your sense of purpose. And so I want to encourage you today from this text to see that despite of our situation, despite of where you are right now, God's hands are all over your life. God's hands are all over where you are. And God's hands are all over what's going on. And he hasn't abandoned us. And not just that, but he's at work behind the scenes, guiding and directing every single details of our lives for us to end up exactly where he wants us to be and to be the people he wants us to be. Directing every details of our lives to shape us and to he, who he has called us to be. And so this is what the book of Nehemiah uh, pretty much encourages us with. And we see that it tells the story of a man who is shaped by his burden. A man who dealt with several challenges in his life, but we see those challenges is what gave birth to his burden, his vision. And then oftentimes when we go through challenges in our lives, we want to run from them and we want to hide from them. But it's those very challenges that God is using to shape us and to draw us to our purpose and our calling. And so Nehemiah, though he faced these challenges personally, and he saw these challenges in the life of the people around him, this was what was drawing Nehemiah to his very purpose. And so we see that Nehemiah was a person who was captured in war, right? So he was one of these people who was captured during this war and he was taken to a foreign land to be a slave by his enemies. And so Nehemiah saw his city burned down. And not just that, but Nehemiah saw his people in bad shape. But not only that, but Nehemiah saw that the glory of God, the reputation of God was being mocked. It was being mocked and misrepresented throughout the nations. And so as much as Nehemiah was concerned for the people and he was concerned for his city, but he was more burdened by the fact that the glory of God was being misrepresented and that the nation was viewing his God as being an impotent, weak God and that the nations was viewing his God as being unfaithful, his God as being unloving and unworthy and untrustworthy or, or, or uh, not worthy to be trust. And so that burden him. And so we see when Nehemiah viewed that his God wasn't being represented rightly, it led him to his calling and his vision. And he wanted to remind the people that their God, his God, the God of Israel, the God of the Jews, has not abandoned them. But he is using these situations to call them to a greater purpose. And when I think about the story of Nehemiah, one of the things that I think about is how the things that upsets us oftentimes drives us. The things that burdens us, the things that upsets us, the things that we're passionate about, those things that keeps us up late at night are oftentimes the things that are the driving force to us answering a call to make a difference. And so it can lead us to take bold steps. It could lead us to 
make sacrifices. It could lead us to invest our time, talent, and treasures. Those things that bothers us and upsets us will often drive us to our purpose in life. And I want to ask you today, what is your burden? What are some of those things that upset you, that when you look around, you say to yourself, that's not right? When you look around this community, when you look around in the people that God has placed in your life, what are some things that burden you about those things that make you cry out to God and say, you know what, that is not right? And so we see this burden led Nehemiah to his calling. Those things that burden us are not random. They're not random. They're often connected to our mission. And so Nehemiah, we see how he was led into the situation where he became a slave. And then at the proper time, the Lord changed his situation around. Nehemiah probably didn't understand why God was leading him in that way, to be captured and being led into a foreign land. And he didn't understand why he was seeing his nation being torn down. But then we see how he is about to become an instrument to carry God's purpose. And this tells me that none of our suffering is a waste because there's purpose behind it. There's divine purpose. Every struggle and every trial, everything that we're going through in life, God is preparing us for his divine purpose. And so your trial today right now has meaning. And you probably don't understand the meaning behind it, but God is using the situations that you're in right now to equip you, to give you the skills that you need, probably the wisdom that you need, or the compassion that you need to be used by God and to lead someone else. And so nothing that you're going through right now is a waste. There's purpose behind it. And so everything Nehemiah experienced was preparing him for his calling. Nehemiah was captured, again, as a slave, but then God restored Nehemiah and made him a cupbearer to the king one of the most trusted servants to a king. Nehemiah had everything taken away from him, but now we see him living in a palace. He was once an enemy to the king, but now we see that he has the king's compassion and ear. And so Nehemiah's heart was deeply transformed by the nature of God's grace and transformation. He knew what it meant to be restored. He knew what it meant to be restored from darkness to light. He knew what it meant to be restored from bondage to freedom. He knew what it meant to be restored from despair to hope. And this personal restoration that Nehemiah experienced fueled him and fueled his burden to see God's people and God's city restored and to experience that same type of restoration. And you know, God is the ultimate restore. God is the ultimate restorer. God can take the broken pieces of our lives and create something beautiful. He's the ultimate restorer. He can take those broken things in our past and bring meaning to them and give purpose to him because he's the ultimate restorer. And I think this is what our churches should be about, proclaiming the power of our ultimate restorer making known to people, making known to people in our lives and making known to people in the city 
that God can bring restoration. And so because Nehemiah had experienced this, in the same way for us, because we have experienced the power of God's restoration through grace in Jesus, because we've experienced that, it shouldn't lead us to just sit in our religious high towers and look down on those who are broken. It should lead us to have the same burden, the same compassion, to be deeply moved, to be concerned by those who are broken in need of restoration. And we should want to see God do the same beautiful work in their lives that he did in our lives. And we should be burdened to share the hope that we have found in Christ with a world that is broken, right? And so as a church and as a people, as a congregation, we are all broken people coming together to make something beautiful in this community and to proclaim God's restoration. And so every single one of us have different types of brokenness in our past. And you know, God is using every single one of that to bring restoration, to bring revival. And they're all powerful testimonies of God at work in our lives. So every single thing that we have gone through are powerful testimonies. Um, Whenever God takes us a test, takes us through a test, this is where we see his bringing out like our purpose, our testimony. I wanted to say that. Um, you are probably right now experiencing God birthing in you a powerful testimony. And so don't run away from that. And so I want to say that over the past years, Blueprint, and not just Blueprint, but along with several churches, have gone through a time of trial and test, right? I think God is positioning the church, the church in our nation, blueprint specifically too, exactly where we need to be. The past two years with the pandemic and racial tension and all the uh, uh, challenges in our society with politics, many churches have closed down their doors permanently. Not just that, but churches have had to make budget cuts and adjust their financial plans to sustain their ministries Churches have lost their pastors and, and, and leaders due to the stress and the mental health that they've experienced. And even with the racial tension and the social justice conversations that we've been having in our society that's affected the church also have split churches and split congregations. Um, and some of the things that we've also have experienced are people feeling lack of care from the church. And that in church, we encourages, encourage people to come and feel a sense of community and family. But the past several years, what people have felt instead is a transactional relationship. And so people are seeking and begging for a genuine relationship. They're seeking to feel a sense of worth and value that's not primarily tied to attendance. They want to feel valued as individuals. And so the church in our society for the past couple years have been in a very challenging state. 
but I believe that God is positioning the church exactly where it needs to be to accomplish God's purpose as the church. And I believe God is stirring up a burden in people where people are desiring authentic community, authentic relationship, an authentic place to worship, and not just a place where we just sit and we hear sermons and and preaching about how God hates the gays or how God hates Democrats or how God hates abortion, but God has a burden for sin, but God loves and has a burden for people. God hates sin, but he has a burden and love for people. And so I think the past couple years, God has been using what we have been experiencing in our society to draw us to our purpose as a church. And so we see this burden that Nehemiah had led him to mourn for his city, to mourn for his people. The Bible says in verse 3, when he heard that the people who survived the exile were troubled and disgraced, living under all types of oppression and, and shame, had lost their sense of worth, this caused him to mourn. This caused him to cry and weep deeply for several days because he had compassion for the people in the city. And so here's the thing. We are only or we can only be moved when we are burdened, or we can only mourn and be moved to action for the things that we genuinely care about. If there are things that you don't care about, it won't bother you. But you would only be moved by the things that bother you. For example, my kids, they're actually here right now, so I didn't think they would be here, but I'm gonna talk about you guys. (laughs) My kids, I love them, but When they play with their toys, they just throw it all over the place. And I'm constantly having to tell them, pick up your toys, pick up your stuff. Don't leave them in the kitchen, in the living room, in our beds, under, uh, like all over the place. And so when they do that, I have to threaten them. So I say to them, like, hey, when I'm cleaning the house, any toy I see on the ground is gone in the trash, right? And so you would think that would work. They're like, okay, throw it away. You know why? Because once you throw it away, I'm just going to add it to my Christmas list, right? <laughs> I'll add it to my Christmas list, and mom will buy it, or grandma will buy it, someone will buy it, because to them, they don't understand the value of what they have, right? And so because they don't understand the value of it, they're not moved. They're not moved. And I think the same way, when we don't understand the value that God has placed on people, we won't be moved and we won't be burdened. When we don't understand the amazing value that God placed on people, that he purchased them with the blood of his son, that moved them from heaven, from his throne to rescue them. If we don't understand that, we won't be moved either, right? And so God has placed an amazing value on those who are broken. And we need to understand that because we experience that. And so because we experience that, that should cause us to mourn because we would want to see that same value that God has placed on people for them to recognize that or for them to know that. And so Nehemiah was burdened. And this wasn't a superficial burden or an intellectual burden that he had to study from a book, but he was genuinely 
burdened by what these people were going through. And it wasn't a, a duty or an obligation, but this was a burden that was interconnected with God's love for the people in the city. Because he knew how much God loved the people and loved the city. You know, burdens are what drives us to make hard sacrifices, hard decisions. And when we make those decisions, we see how much it was worth it. In 2009, um, this church was birthed from a burden. Dahadi and 25 other faithful families and people left Dallas, Texas to come, or didn't Texas to come to Atlanta to plant a church here to address the lack of discipleship and sound biblical teaching in the urban context. And so this was their burden that caused them to sacrifice and move, displace their entire family, to move to a place that they had no jobs and nothing lined up for them because they wanted to see sound teaching in the urban context. And that was what birthed this church. In the same way, the Lord has worked in my life to reveal to me a burden. I grew up in the church, and I grew up in a religious home. And uh, even though I grew up in this religion, religious environment, I still didn't know who Jesus was, right? I went to church every single day with my parents, um, knew the scriptures and, and, and all these different things. But all my life, I thought I knew who Jesus was, and I was completely lost. And when I finally encountered Jesus for who he is, and not just religion, and not just knowing him through information, that gave me a burden for the church. Because I see throughout our churches, too many people are just viewing this as just information or religion, but then there's no relationship. And my heart is to see that we move from religion to an authentic relationship with Jesus. And so because of that, the Lord has drew a burden in me or placed a burden in me to want to see our churches and our people walk in an authentic passion with the Lord and not just continuing to do these religious rituals, but live an authentic relationship with God and walk in their passion and walk in their mission. And so what I want to share with you right now is what I have been praying for, for Blueprint and my burden for us as a church. And I hope that you hear my heart from this, that my burden for this church is to be a place where we're not discipling religious people who just have knowledge about God, but that we are a place where we are raising up authentic believers who are passionate for God and passionate for His glory. A people where the glory of God is their fuel, their burden that drives everything that they do. That we are passionate about making sure God is represented well throughout our lives and also in the city. For this church to be a place where people matter to us because people matter to God. You know, Jesus didn't die on a cross for this church building. 
and hidden down across to fill up these seats. Jesus died on the cross, placing a value on people, and that's what drove him to the cross and kept them there, the value of people. My burden for Blueprint is that we will be a church and continue to be a church where we use all of our resources to see this dying world come to know who Jesus is, that we are not using people as expendable resources, but seeing how much we can get, but how much we can give. And that's for all of our churches. Like, we need to be a place where we are giving to people and not just taking. For this church to be a place where we are caring genuinely for people and creating a safe place for people to walk through our doors. And that anyone who comes through our doors would not feel that they are threatened by where they are, Maybe they're not in the best place in life, but this would be a safe place that people would be received with gentleness and respect in spite of all their imperfections or doubts or wherever that they are. For this place to be, this church to be a place where we develop people. We develop people to exercise their gifts because every single one of us have a calling that God is calling us to. We help people develop who they are in their calling. And for this church to be a place where we make an impact in this community. And I hope that we would see the Lord placed us here to make an impact. So it's unacceptable if a church is in a community for years and end up not being a place that has an impact on the community. And I pray that our church will continue to be a place that are raising up people and sending people out to do ministry and mission where life exists to have an impact where we live, especially here in this community. And so I hope that we would also see that God is also calling us to take amazing risk. And just like the Hadi and the families that moved here, trusting in the Lord and taking amazing risks to raise up a people to take the gospel out, I pray that we would see that God is calling us in this way to take risks and be open-handed with what he's doing and be willing to pursue him even in challenging times and even in when things are different. And so I pray that we'd be a church that's taking risks. And so this leads us to verse 4. When Nehemiah heard of where the people was, this drove him to a place where he mourned and he had a burden. But then we see that this burden left him to taking a decisive action. It led him to taking a decisive action, and that action was to pray and fast. Right? It's to pray and fast. And so how do we respond when God has given us a burden, when God has placed something in our lives? When God has placed something in our hearts, do we run to strategic planning or do we come to the Lord and pray and fast and we give it to the Lord? When God calls you or when God places things in your life that are not easy, Do you run first to a solution or do you run first to him 
to pray and fast. See, in the Bible, Nehemiah prayed and he fasted for several days, and his first response was not to run to try to find the answer, but his first response was to trust in God's wisdom. It wasn't to trust in his own strength. It was to trust in God. And so your first response really shows where you place your faith. And whatever that you're going through, your first response really show where you're placing your faith. And so when things are difficult, don't run to a solution. Run to God who is the solution. And so we see in the end of the chapter, and I, I love how it just ends really abruptly. Nehemiah says, but I'm just a cupbearer. He finishes praying, and then the last line is, I'm just a cupbearer. And I think the reason why God just has it like that is because you can see in the mind of Nehemiah, he understood how inadequate he was. I'm just a cupbearer. God is calling me to a mission, but I'm just a cupbearer. Who am I to accomplish God's mission? Who are we to accomplish God's mission? I'm just a cupbearer. But to God, Nehemiah was more than a cupbearer because God is the one who is placing this burden on him, but then at the same time, God is the one who would give him everything that he needs to accomplish this burden, to accomplish this mission. He realized his limitation. He realized how inadequate he was. He realized how he couldn't accomplish this task in his own strength, in his own power, and because of that, he came to the Lord to equip him. And so sometimes God will call us to accomplish God-sized missions, and you will need God-sized strength. God is calling you to some God-sized missions in your life, some God-sized things for you to do, but you are just a cupbearer. You're weak, you're limited, you're inadequate, but God is the one who will provide you with God-sized strength, and these God-sized missions are meant to stretch us, to challenge us, and to make us feel insufficient. But God is the one who will be the one to do that, the work in us. And so when he does that work in us, we can only point to him and give him the glory because we are just cupbearers. In this church, we are being called to a God-sized work, but we are just cupbearers. Every single one of us, God is calling us to do God-sized work, but we are limited. And this is why we need to depend on his strength. And so I think God is giving Blueprint the strength right now. We're praying that the Lord would continue to pour his strength right now for us to restore his reputation, not just here in these four walls, but throughout this city. And so we need people who are passionate. We need you to be passionate. We need you to have the same burden, to want to see God restore our kids in our community, our high schoolers, our college students, our young professionals, our families, those who are marginalized, those who are affluent. God is calling us to people and as a church, we don't want to be satisfied until every person in our community, in Atlanta, 
has had the opportunity to hear about this God who can restore and to understand that it's only through him that he can take brokenness, brokenness in our city, brokenness in our lives, and do something glorious. And that is my heart for us. As we enter into a new season in the life of our church and see the amazing work that God is doing in the city, it's the same work that he did in us. That Jesus Christ came to earth to die to save us from our sins. He redeemed us. He rescued us. He restored us. And because he has done that, our natural response should be, we want to see that happen in the lives of others as well. And so I pray as a church, if you have experienced that, you will rally around that vision. That we want to see people's lives restored just like our lives were restored with the gospel. Will you join us in this vision? I want to pray for us. And then at the end, I want to pray for our families, um, especially if uh, you have kids who are going into a new uh, year of school. I want to pray for you all as well. Um, and so today is a uh, family worship, so we have kids here too. Uh, so I would love to actually have kids come up here so that we can lay hands on them because we also believe even our kids, God is calling them to a mission. And they may not understand it. And they may think that they're just kids. But man, God could do great things in the lives of our kids. First graders, kindergartens, man, they could take the gospel to their kids on the playground. And then the high schoolers, God is calling you to your mission field to do great things. College students, families, God is calling you to have a burden to see his glory restored in schools, in our communities, throughout our families. God is calling you to see his glory restored. Will you be about that vision? Will we rally around that vision? So, Father, thank you so much for today. Um, Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.